listeners. Welcome to our special series this season, Exobiology in Science Fiction. Our first novel we'll be exploring is The Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton, the author of Jurassic Park. During the Cold War, a secret project started by the American government crashed lands in the sleepy town of Piedmont, Nevada. Upon attempting to recover the device, the agents dispatched find the inhabitants of the town dead before perishing themselves. The Andromeda Strain follows five scientists that make up Project Wildfire while they race against the clock to discover how to stop whatever slaughtered the townspeople. We'd like to pause here and add a disclaimer. We'll be spoiling the novel during this analysis, so if that brief synopsis sounded interesting, stop the podcast now and make sure you give it a read. For those of you who continued listening, we'll hop right into it. The podcast is split into two parts, Project Wildfire and the Andromeda Strait. Following the launch of Sputnik, a group of scientists met and began discussing the possibility of extraterrestrial life and the possibility of bringing it back on American spacecraft. One scientist proposed that humanity's first contact with extraterrestrial life would be with a bacteria. This could be problematic because even though only 3% of bacteria on Earth cause disease in humans, bacteria also cause 40% of human diseases. Another came forward with the messenger theory, or the theory that if a civilization would want to communicate with every corner of the galaxy, they wouldn't use physics, they'd use biology. Create a hardy bug that can replicate and survive the void to make contact with other civilizations, and you're good. After getting the go-ahead with the president, Project Wildfire was born. Project Wildfire was officially designated as a team of five scientists whose purpose is to investigate the possibilities of extraterrestrial organisms brought onto Earth by American spacecraft. These scientists created a giant book of procedures and created a lab deep in the Nevada desert placed there in the event the lab needs to be decontaminated. The lab is made of five different stages, each located beneath the other in rings, so the entire structure resembles an upside-down cone. Each consecutive stage is more sterile than the last. The first is clean, but not decontaminated, like a hospital operating room. The second stage has minimal sterilization and requires a one-hour delay. The the third stage has moderate sterilization and has a two-hour delay. The fourth stage has maximal sterilization with a six-hour delay, and the last has redundant sterilization procedures. Depending on how healthy each scientist is, it requires a minimum of nine hours to get from the entrance to the labs where the science is done. One interesting part about the labs is the body glove used to prevent contamination and do all the work. How it works is a scientist steps in the suit, then it's sealed behind them. Each suit has its own air and is completely sealed off from the level it's used on. If the suit is breached, then the scientist is locked into the airlock and the contamination alerts are sounded. The other scientists then hopefully can keep them alive. A positive of this is that they can observe the contaminants in real time. The last part of the Project Wildfire Lab is the decontamination procedure in the event of a level breach. A nuclear device is located underneath the facility in the event a level is breached and will detonate 180 seconds after the initial breach. There's only one man in the facility who has the key to stop it, the odd man. In a study done by Harvard University, they tried to determine who would make the right choice in a life or death situation. They found that single men would do it the most often, followed by single women, married women, and married men. 
Therefore, the key to stop the device is only given to one man who must be single. Now to the second part, the actual problem. A covert satellite designed to catch biological contaminants from the low Earth atmosphere for the use of biological warfare went off course and crash-landed in the sleepy town of Piedmont, Nevada. After the agents dispatched to recover the device dropped dead, Project Wildfire was initiated for the first time and two of the scientists were sent to check out the town. Upon landing at the town, the scientists found a strangely unbloody scene. Bodies were lying all over the street, clutching their chests, but their faces were passive, almost like they were sleeping. No one was bleeding, and they found no lividity on all of the corpses they examined. They autopsied the town doctor, and found that all the body in his blood had clotted solid. Even opening the radial artery, the entire thing was a solid line of clotted blood. However, on their way back to the aircraft, the scientists discovered a number of gruesome scenes. The contaminant apparently affects some people differently, in that they didn't die instantly. Instead, they killed themselves in terrible ways, from a war veteran shooting himself, to a teenager huffing bottle aircraft cement, to the town seamstress covering herself in gasoline and lighting herself on fire. The scientists also discovered a baby and an old man, miraculously alive. They brought them back to the lab to hopefully discover what kept them alive so they could prevent their illness from spreading. Upon primary research, the scientists found that the agent is a bacteria and is about one micron across. The bacteria was inspired and then within seconds had spread from the lungs to the blood where it then clotted all the blood in the body. They also found that the dead animals aren't infectious and anticoagulating agents such as heparin delay death but don't stop it. Narrowing it down to a bacteria helped, but also hurt their efforts. Lots of bacteria have different effects on blood. Staphylococcus produces two enzymes, one that destroys skin and red blood cells, and one that coats the bacteria to prevent the white blood cells from destroying the bacteria. Strep creates an enzyme that dissolves coagulated plasma, and malaria and amoeba eat red blood cells. At this point, the scientists of Wildfire had completed two of the three mission points. They detected the bacteria, characterized it as a bacteria, and now all they need to do is find a way to control it. To do this, the scientist's best bet is to examine the baby and old man who survived the bacteria and figure out what allowed them to survive. Also, during their examinations and tests, they learned of another person who survived. A highway patrolman was passing through Piedmont right as it was spreading, and later entered a restaurant where he shot five customers before taking his own life. Now, the scientists had three puzzle pieces to put together. A baby who wailed and wailed, an old man with an ulcer who drank a bottle of aspirin and cerno every day to treat it, and a police officer who disliked taking his insulin. The solution was that the bacteria only lived in the pH range of 7.39 and 7.42. So the three people who lived all had blood pH levels outside that range, which allowed their body to kill off the bacteria. They also discovered that the reason some people went mad and killed themselves was because they survived the initial coagulation because of their blood pH levels, but some clots still happened and lodged in the brain, causing aneurysms and insanity. Unfortunately, before they could figure out a cure for the bacteria, the bacteria mutated to a less deadly form and dissolved the rubber seals in the suits, which triggered the decontamination process. Another really exciting part of the bacteria was that it didn't have any amino acids or organelles. Each cell was a green hexagon that turned purple when dividing through mitosis, 
and was formed of what appeared to be crystals. Another major part of the bacteria was that it contained the ability to convert energy to matter and vice versa perfectly. This means that it doesn't need to metabolize or anything, it can take energy and start churning out more cells immediately. This meant that the nuclear blast triggered by decontamination would do nothing but create a perfect growth medium for the bacteria. This is unheard of in nature. If you gave a single E. coli perfect growth conditions, then it could divide into a super colony the size and weight of Earth within a day. This concludes our analysis of the novel, The Andromeda Strain. If this sounded like a good read, make sure to read the sequel, The Andromeda Evolution, or watch the 1969 movie by the same name, or the 2008 miniseries. In short, The Andromeda Strain has caused quite an impact on today's culture, raising questions people will be pondering forever. Thank you for tuning in to this first special episode, analyzing the Michael Creighton novel, The Andromeda Strain. Stay tuned for the next episode, looking at Hail Mary Project by Andy Weir.